We cover our bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch where it take us Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our response is amazing Our bases covered, yeah Yeah, you know you love it, our thoughts, they be off of the dome First to the second, the topics, they change like the weather Then you know we bringing it home We cover our bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch how we shine Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our responses be prime Our bases covered, Woo. Yeah, you know you love it, no limits to where we can go So do grab a seat Oh no, this ain't MLB, but you know it's time for the show. All bases covered. My- Welcome to a special Wednesday episode of the All Bases Covered podcast. We couldn't make it here Monday, but we had an important show to do. Plus, we got to find out what our fucking punishments are. Uh, except for Joe here, uh, who somehow had the worst draw of all of us, and yet was the only one that did not get punished. It's, it's some straight bullshit. You are living a blessed life, Joe. First off, you win trivia, so you didn't have to get punished there. And now, first week of the season, you draw the Giants after drawing the Steelers, and, and the Giants are the only team that, that, that fucking covered. This is just some – you're doing some voodoo shit over there, Joe. Joe, we can't hear you, buddy. Are you there? Same you got. Same. You with me? Yep, I'm here, bro. Joe, I don't know what's going on with your audio. Uh, can't hear you. Still waiting on Josh. I guess since it's his birthday, we'll let it slide that he's running a few minutes late. Uh, so uh, we will wait to kick off the meat of our show, which we got a lot to talk about, Sam. I mean, it was a crazy week one. Um, and aside from week one of NFL season, dude, college football was fucking insane last weekend. It was, it was honestly, I mean, from Bama and Texas to, uh, Nebraska. Well, I don't want to, we'll talk about Nebraska exclusively later, but Texas A&M losing to Appalachian State, especially after they talked all that shit during their midnight yell, and then, BYU beating Baylor, we had, uh, I mean, it was just, it was upset Saturday, man. I can't fucking believe it. Like, Dude, uh, a lot of people made good money on Saturday on betting on those games. For sure. Joe, we can't hear you, buddy. If Josh isn't here shortly, we're just going to fucking head out, head on with the fucking, we'll talk about some NFL and we'll wait to spin the wheel, but we are going to dole out punishments to see it's me, Sam and Josh that are all getting punished this week. Dude, if, if, if you drew the, so you drew the Bengals, Josh had the Colts. I had the Patriots and Josh or Joe draws the Giants. And if you would have imagine the luck, dude. Dude, I, I thought Joe was fucked for sure. I thought either you or Josh were sitting the prettiest. Uh, and, and you know, uh, then all of a sudden, everybody fucking, well, the Colts didn't lose. They tied. And the Bengals, the Bengals missed two fucking field goals that would or an extra point that would have won them the game at the end of regulation. You still would have lost, though, Sam, even if the Bengals. Right, either way, I mean, either way, the, the OT game is, really pushed things out. 
Yeah, it really fucked things up. We got Josh here, and I have a special message for Josh uh, now that he is here. Um, I have a very special message for Josh. Happy Uh-oh. birthday to him. I don't care. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy birthday, Josh. Happy 40th, Thank you, Sam. Josh. You can join the old man crew here. So wait, who, who's, who, how old's Joe? Joe will turn 40 in February. Oh, there you go. Joe will be 40 in February, and Sam's got another fucking five years before he turns 40. So, fucking no, no, young. It's three, it's three. Get it right, bro. It's three. Three, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, Solid three, man. Solid three years. <laughs> I got I got loaded up here into the wheel into the wheel of the punishments. I got the punishments loaded, okay? So, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. And I'm going to spin it here. Watch it be the easiest one. Let's let's see what we got. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking shit. (laughs) <laughs> God damn it Well spit it all already What is it It's a tandem Where we have to recreate The Rocky 3 scene Training Running <laughs> down In the short shorts Of the tank top Josh Since I'm gonna see you Next weekend For Rattler's thing We might as well Get it over with You got a punishment I got a punishment Tandem punishment Josh you don't have to spin you and I will recreate Rocky Three, and we'll film it and put put it on Instagram and fucking and fucking Twitter. Hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, Sam, you are up. So, let's so see what the what the, what the wheels got in store for you. <clears throat> oh, that's bullshit. He got Sam got an easy one. What did I get? You got turkey leg mic, which means that for an entire show, you have to pretend to talk into a turkey leg at the microphone. Okay. All right. I'll take that. That's bullshit. <laughs> so, so, Mike, I got a question. Who who am I supposed yeah. to be, and who are you supposed to be? It doesn't matter. We can we can take you if you want to be Rocky and me be Apollo. That's fine. But we gotta we gotta find the short shorts and the tank tops, and we gotta get the high socks, and we gotta do like the race, like we're right down the beach, and then we gotta like jump into each other's <laughs> arms and get to the end and celebrate slow motion style. Let's do it. All right. And, and Joe, Joe, this is Jackass so meets podcast, man. <laughs> Oh, fuck. All right, so all Sam you have to do is get a turkey leg, take some pictures of you talking into it for the show, and so we can post it to Twitter. This is That's the fucking easy one, man. Fuck. I was hoping you know what's all get, like, what? So here's the fucked up part. What, we all thought we okay. had the easy games and the the games in the bag. And we were like, oh. Yeah, and, and you know what? You guys heard me mention, Josh, Mike, Mike mentioned it. Joe's doing some voodoo, man. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? He wins trivia. 
then he draws the fucking Giants, and they're the only team that wins or covers. Like, that's that's just straight fucking bullshit. I, hey, I don't even know. I don't even want to fucking draw helmets on Friday. I can't even believe that we fucking or, lost. All Three of us lost in week one. We need – if this is the way this, the year's going to go, we're going to need more punishments because we're going to be out of them by week seven. Yeah, imagine drawing duds, like, week after week, dude. Yeah, it's fucking – so – I'm in a I'm in one of those survivor pools, one of those pick 'em survive. Well, I'm not anymore. I lost week one because I, I used my pick on the fucking Denver Broncos, who also shit the oh, bed yeah, on Monday too. night. Yeah, me too. Fucking bullshit, man! It's a it was like a seven thousand dollar pot, and I'm out in week one. I'm fucking Hackett's a hack, man. He's a hack. He's a hack. Hack Hackett's a hack, and Wilson Wilson might be washed. We'll see. No, I mean you gotta you gotta go back and, and not put it on Wilson. I mean you got Javante Williams they fumbling two red one yard line from both their running backs too, and, That's true. and Melvin That's Gordon true. fumbling. I mean yeah, he threw three hundred and sixty. He had three hundred and sixty yards. Yeah, that's true. And, and then that's and then true. you have and he didn't have any picks either, that, did he? He didn't have any picks. Hey, can no, you hear no, me? He played a clean game. I think he only had one touchdown pass. Yeah, I can hear you now, JoJo. You can hear me? Yeah, we can hear. You. Yeah. No. We're good. Holy shit, hallelujah. And uh I mean it sounds uh, like you're uh in like a a dark room fishbowl. with a yep. That's that's it. I sound like I'm in a I mean, a dark room. You were go- it sounds like you were going somewhere like dark with that statement, so you can continue <laughs> if you want to. I was, then I thought about it, I might be crossing the line, so I because oh, <laughs> that's ever stopped you, you old fuck. <laughs> What Joe? Uh, sounds like you, you it, Joe sounds like he's broadcasting from like a porn theater, man. You know what's funny is uh you know, I'm good with either of those because uh I don't have a punishment this week. Fuck you guys. Fuck you, Joe. Uh, you know what? I hope you draw the Jaguars next week. Okay? I hope you, know you what's draw gonna be the Jaguars on Friday. Let, let me explain something, Lou. <laughs> I'm gonna. I will probably end up drawing the Jaguars, and they will. They will get the spread. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, he did. He did pick the Steelers, and they covered their spread. So either either way, he was fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. I just couldn't fucking. I just couldn't don't live with myself if I stuck with the Steelers. So fuck those guys. <laughs> and what I tell you about the Colts? Well, like, no, what year did you make with the joke. devil to win, win, you know, trivia and uh, week one? Seriously, that's that's some. There's some. There's something magical going on there for Joe. <laughs> Fourth All right, guys. So producer. <laughs> let's start with Dallas. Dallas looked awful against Tampa Bay on Sunday night. Even before Dak got hurt, which was late in the game. Dallas looked awful. Tom Brady was getting pressured. His offensive line, which has has had a bunch of injuries, is going to probably need a game or two, maybe three to gel. But they were still able to move the ball. It seemed like once they got to the red zone, um, Brady, the pressure got turned up because they were obviously able to move the ball. They, I think their kicker kicked like four or five field goals. So it wasn't about them not being able to move the ball down the field. They just weren't converting those attempts into touchdowns. 
But Dallas couldn't move the ball at all. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. I think CeeDee Lamb was targeted 11 times and came down with one catch for 10 yards. So it was an absolutely atrocious day. Dak Prescott, though, the initial reports were he would be gone for six to eight weeks. Now they're saying uh, Jerry Jones is optimistic. He might only miss three or four games. So do you think Dallas' season is done right now? Or do you think if Cooper Rush can win, you know, two games in the three or four game absence that that, uh, Dak is gone, that they can maybe make a run in the – in like the last, you know, 11 games, 12 games or so. I, I think that's tough. And, and the only reason why I think so is, is because when Dak comes back, it doesn't mean that they're automatically going to start winning either. Sure. Right? So, so, like, Dak coming back, you have to also account for some L's coming, you know, with him being rusty, not playing football for a month, organized football proper, you know, against, you know, first stringers and so on and so forth. I, I think their season is in jeopardy, man. Like, it's in serious jeopardy. I I kind of tend to agree. They got Philly in that division. It's not the best division, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, and I don't know how good the Giants are going to be. Because I, I, I personally felt that the Titans were going to take a big step back this year and miss the playoffs. And I wasn't high on the Titans. We'll see how they look Monday night against the Bills. You know, if they go out there and they get – fucking smoked by the Bills like 38 to 10. I, I, I think the Titans are done for. But um, if they come out and it's competitive and maybe the Bills beat them like 21 to 17 or 24 to 20, something along those lines, then the Titans can make it make a run. But I'm not, I'm not sold on the Giants. I'm not sold on the Commanders. So the fact that Dallas plays in a weaker division, I still give them a shot. But they, you know, I mean, I don't, Titans don't play in a really strong division either. That's true, and the fact that in that division you can usually win it with ten wins is a good sign. But I, I feel like Philly can get to eleven wins, and if Dallas is ten and seven or nine and eight on the season, I'm not sure that's going to be good enough for a wild card yeah. spot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the other thing is that I think that the the Commanders and the Giants, yeah, granted they're not probably good for 16 games but as you could see they could be good enough against their divisional foes and and they could end up with wins like you know that they were automatically counting on kind of in a way yeah and and it'll be tougher for Dallas yeah and and the thing about Washington too they're still without Chase Young for a while so that defense is just going to continue getting better uh, he's on the I think he's out for at least he's another like, month. He's out the first four weeks, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think he's out four to yeah. six weeks. Um, okay. But I mean, Carson Wentz didn't look too bad in that. Uh, granted, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, but yeah, you know, there's. I think they're still going to be competitive. They still won seven games last year with a, a backup quarterback. Uh, right. So I mean. Right. I, I think with Dak being out, if it's three games, four, five games, I think they're done. I don't think they have a shot at yeah. the division. Okay. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. That would take uh, off one of your playoff teams that you uh, that you said was going to make it. Just saying. It would, yeah. I had Dallas. I had Dallas in the playoffs this year. So, well, you know, my college football playoffs is already fucked. I think I had two teams lose, right? I had Baylor and Utah. Right, and they, yep, they already lost. Sure did. Done, so. 
So all all that's left is Ohio State and Alabama. That's it. <laughs> um, uh, so speaking of like uh, a local team, Cincinnati here, did the that game won? Did the Bengals lose that game more than Pittsburgh won it? Yeah, Bengals lost that game big time. No, one hundred percent. I mean, you, the long snapper got hurt, so that caused the field goal issues. Um, right. You go. You go back to the one to where they ruled chased out on the one yard line, and you, if they did the replay, his foot was yeah. clearly on the line, so that should have been a touchdown, and it wasn't. Right. So, and then you got Burrow throwing five picks in that that game. Four. He threw four picks. He lost. The I thought it was five. Yeah, that's, no, that's like first two half, picks too many. I think. Second half. So, yeah, what what does that tell you about the Bengals that they played probably a terrible game, uh, as bad as if they're going to play all season, and they still came an ass hair away from winning that game? Oh, a hundred percent. And their defense looked legit, and they were stopping the they run. Can't... Uh, Again, I, I, it's it's a bad division though to take an L from that team, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a it's a bad L for the, for the Bengals, but also like, you know, you guys got to see the Ravens, right? You know, that might be a little bit of more competition yeah, than expected as well. So yeah. you guys don't have a, a very favorable schedule, if I remember. No, no, we don't the, have the, easiest. the first half is is prime for them to make a run, and the second half was prime for them to to lose a few games. So yeah, so they really needed to win actually to start off the season. I don't know. Well, I I, I, I said the Bengals need to be set what seven and two or uh, eight and one before the bye. I think they would be good. So if they go on a run and win the rest of the games, I think they're still sitting pretty. I don't think. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think they can even get away with six and three in that first game. Because that's the environment. They're at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee. They got Cleveland. They're at New England. Those are four games that are very winnable right there. It's the Kansas City, at Tampa Bay, Buffalo games, and Baltimore games that, that bother, that scare me a little bit. But, yeah, but the problem is if that loss total ends up creeping closer to six, that's a problem, right? I don't I mean, I don't think so. If they go 11-6, and six, I think they're still fine. I, they might not win that division, but they're still fine for the playoffs, I think. I think 11-6. and six, Yeah, but you want, you, want, you want to be, you know, you don't want to be wild card, really, you know. You want home field advantage. But at the same time, it is what it is. Sometimes there's just not any controlling it, and – you know, there's going to be a lot of good teams that are in the wild card position. One of those teams in the West, Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, one of those two of those teams are going to be wild cards, and there's only going to be one division winner there. So when you look at the North and the West, which are loaded divisions compared to the AFC East and the AFC South, you know, the North and the and the West will probably send multiple teams to the playoffs where the fucking East and the, and the South might only send one team. The East might get Miami in potentially to the playoffs. I mean, that's even a pot, maybe, you know. Right, that's a maybe, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I, I came away thinking to myself this. I mean, the East has the Bills, right? So, you have the Bills for the East and then yeah. South. 
I, I thought to myself this, though. Damn, Cincinnati probably should have played some of their starters in the preseason. They looked rusty, and they looked out of sync. And you look at a lot of these other teams, a lot of them played their starting quarterback. At least yeah, like the Giants, for instance. They played their first stringers like through like three, almost three quarters. Yeah. And, and and a lot of these teams at least still played their starting quarterback at least for a, a half in one game. And the Bengals, they didn't roll out. And that, that could have been because Burrow had the appendicitis and he missed a lot of training camps, you know, whatever. I, but I, I think the Bengals probably need to at least say next next preseason, Burrow's got to get it. Maybe not. All, you know, maybe not in all three games, but at least maybe at least two of the games play a little bit. You know, and maybe one game he plays two series, and then in the next game maybe he plays a whole quarter and then comes out. You know, no one's saying he's got to play two, three quarters, but, uh, you know, that rust was very visible uh, in that Steelers game. So I, I think the franchise quarterback, like, uh, you know, when you have someone like Burrow going maybe second game, second preseason game, play like one or two series, and that third one, play maybe a, a whole half or whatever, whatever feels right. So, obviously in Kansas City, uh, Mahomes not missing Tyreek Hill. Uh, he threw for five touchdown passes, spread the ball all over, and absolutely torched Arizona. Is do you think Mahomes can keep this up, or is Arizona's pass defense just shitty? I think Arizona's pass defense is trash. Absolute trash. Yeah, I think it's trash. I mean, you go back to even last year, the last eight games of the year, they that defense sucked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, they, it made they, Patrick they, Mahomes look at MVP. They, really they rely a lot on pressure up front. If they can't get it, <clears throat> their backs and their, their safeties are not good enough, in my opinion. Um, Mahomes, though, did seem confident in spreading the ball out to MVS, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster. He got – Edward Dallaire was really involved in the first half, and once it was a blowout, they kind of pulled him and went to Isaiah Pacheco and, um, and Jarek McKinnon. So – but uh, Edward Dallaire had two receiving touchdowns in the first half, and he was averaging almost six and a half yards per rush in that first half. So and that kind of made me feel like, okay, well, maybe, you know, Edward Dallaire knows that this season like make or break for him because his ass is going to get cut if he doesn't perform. So I got burned of- by this guy like two fantasy seasons in a row, man. He's finally yeah, showing up, and I don't have him on my team. I have him on my team. He was the second running back I took, which was like in the fifth round because I loaded up on wide receiver and I took DeAndre Swift in the, in the second round, but then loaded up on wide receiver. And to be honest with you, I think me and me and Josh have the have the. I don't know if anybody else is up there, but I think me and Josh have the best receiving cores in the entire in our entire league. I mean, who does Tommy have? Josh has Josh has Diggs, Chase. McLaurin and Allen Robinson and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Ooh, that's dirty. I got. I got. <laughs> oh, Devontae, I played dirty. I got. I got Devontae Adams, T. Higgins, Gabriel Davis, Michael Thomas, and um, oh shoot, 
And um, and then late I got and then I got Mark Andrews at tight end and I got and I got Drake Watson on the bench. So and, and don't, again, and very don't forget Louis. receivers, both teams. Yeah, I've got DeAndre so Hopkins on the bench too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, you guys have IR spots? No, he's he's just keeping them on his one of his bench spots for, for six to for six weeks or whatever. Yeah, so. That's that's crazy. Hey, yeah, I, I, you uh, never know. I might need a running back, and it's it's good trade bait. It is good trade bait. I agree there. Uh, oh, as soon as the reports start coming out, like Hopkins is now practicing with the team. All right, who wants him? Give me RB one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josh. That's only the spot where Josh is kind of weak. Josh has Javante Williams, but his other running back is Chase Edmonds. So. But that's really. Uh, well, I got Kenneth. Oh, I, I got I'm Kenneth Walker to too, so he should be back. That's that's true. Um, I'm playing you this weekend, Josh. So we, it should be a bit of a barn burner this week. We'll see what happens. Oh but, shit! Uh, yeah, that's who you are. So you guys, are, you guys are right playing your rocket team this weekend and playing each other. One thirty-nine. Wait, what happened? Sorry. Uh, you, you guys are filming the Rocky scene this weekend and playing each other in fantasy football? No, we're not filming the Rocky scene this week, next weekend. No, so I was going to say, you might see a different, a different, uh, you know, type of uh, Sylvester Stallone, depending on the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, real quick, because we, actually, we've gone through so much already, but we got about 33, 34 minutes left. Uh, so I want to wrap up segment one here shortly. But I want to talk about the Colts real quick. The Colts struggle. Now, I, I, I did say that I thought that this game would not cover the seven-point spread. I, I thought that the Texans were going to give the Colts a better game than what people were expecting. And that turned out to be correct. Davis Mills played a very good game. But Matt Ryan and the Colts had made some critical mistakes um, but Pittman looked like a boss. But are the Colts overrated this year? Like, uh, I mean, I know they play in a weak division, but is this going to be like one of those years like where the Colts win the division with eight or nine wins? Well, you got to remember, you look at last year too. They lost their first game last year. Same way, everybody expected them to come out and win. Year, they missed the playoffs last year too, though. No, I know. I'm saying you're you're asking if they're a bust, just like last year. I, I'm saying I think they're they're going to struggle for the first couple of weeks, like they did last year, and then getting okay. get into a rhythm. So I I don't see. They were also I'm not, missing. I'm not, Go ahead, John. Yeah, they're missing uh, Darius Leonard right now. They're on their defense. Uh, but no, I mean I I think the first couple of weeks, once Jonathan Taylor gets going, get his gets his legs under him. After game three, game four, then I think the Colts start taking off. And that defense starts getting their win. They're going to take off. Uh, we have to remember the I, first four weeks of of any NFL season, it, it's not make or break just yet. It's, it's going to take these players three, four weeks to get back into game shape, especially yeah. these running backs, understood, these receivers, understood. these quarterbacks and all that. I think for the Colts, their key is making sure their defense is just as good as last year. If they if they lose exactly. their step on defense, if they if they lose their step on defense, then their offense, no matter how potent it is, it's still going to be lacking something. They're going to have these overtime type of scenarios where they're you know 
they might tweak out a win. They may not, right? So their defense, though, it was top-notch last year, and they still couldn't get it done. As long as their defense is good this year, Colts might actually, you know, start cranking out wins. And and they just fired their kicker. So yeah, that guy. Sucks. That might help him too. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. but he was one of the better kickers in football two years ago. I don't know what happened to Rodrigo Blankenship. Maybe his glasses need new prescriptions or something. But he he clearly fucked that all up. So. Well, I think he's only got like um, a eighty-three uh, percent attack or field goal percentage right now, so he's not very good. Yeah, yeah. Whoever get stuff. whoever gets Justin Tucker every year is like like good to go, no matter what. I think that's your kicker. That's your top tier, you know, best kicker in the in the league. Yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. That motherfucker Tucker man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Moving on to segment two, and uh, a, a fucking subject I don't want to fucking talk about. But yeah, we're talk about it right buddy. Nebraska, Nebraska. Big Ten champs. Big Ten champs. After after Frost got fired, there's been a lot of news that's come out. So I'm going to share some of that stuff that I've gotten from insiders within the program other media outlets where they, they weren't allowed to talk about it until now. But so Scott Frost had an embarrassing loss to Georgia Southern where their defense just fucking didn't show up, even though the offense scored 40 points. The defense didn't show up. They narrowly beat North Dakota in the second game of the season, and they choked away a game against Northwestern in week one or week zero. So Scott Frost has been fired. They fired him early. Because even though on October 1st, his buyout would have dropped from $15 million to $7.5 million, Chubb Alberts had had enough. And not only was All he had to do was wait it out to the end of the month. He yeah, saved things, himself $7.5 million. Things were so bad, Sam, that he felt he needed, needed to make the change right now. And I'm going to share some of that information that I have right now. One of the things okay. I, uh, that, that Michael Severe, who is uh, – Nebraska sports radio host, uh, insider of the program, played at Nebraska uh, in the 80s, was talking about was that assistant coaches this season and last year were going to the athletic director and complaining that Scott Frost was not doing his job. Oh, so it's just like pure stupidity. The guy just didn't do his job from day one. Like he just wasn't so this this happened last year and apparently this season he wasn't he wasn't doing his job when they were in Ireland for the oh, he was quietly quitting bro <laughs> pretty much when they were in Ireland for the first game of the season he didn't spend any time with the team at all uh, here's another nugget that I found interesting so Josh you might know this name Dylan Rayola who's a five star quarterback who's committed to Ohio State right now. His father, Dominic Rayola, was an All-American at Nebraska, okay? He was a legacy recruit. Now, most people gave Nebraska a slight chance to land him because he's a legacy recruit, but they, his, the, oh, the two favorites were Alabama and Ohio State. Prior to his visit, he had still been talking good about Nebraska and the program. After his visit, 
for the spring game, something happened, and nobody talked about it. Nobody would say anything, but all of a sudden, he had no interest in Nebraska. Uh, him and his father were pissed about something that happened. Nobody talked about it. A week Let later, me guess, it has to do with Frost. Yeah, a week later, he committed to Ohio State. What has now come out, what had happened was that Scott Frost missed a meeting with Dominic and Dylan Rayola. And then he showed up 25 minutes late, drunk, to the meeting. And that turned off Dominic Rayola completely and his son, Dylan Rayola. Because Frost, well, I shouldn't say missed, Frost was 25 minutes late, and then he showed up drunk. So there's a lot of shit. Why did they wait this long if they knew all this shit? Let me ask you I don't that. Think, I, don't think I don't think they knew it all. I don't think they knew it all, but this was stuff insiders of the program were hearing, but nobody was talking about in the media because they didn't want to shine a bad light on the program. But now that Frost is gone, it's open season. And people are saying you could write an entire book on Frost's tenure and all the shit that he did wrong. And it really started when when he was introduced as head coach in 2018, where he was so arrogant, he said he hopes that Big Ten defenses have to adjust to him other than the other way around. So I, as far as at this time, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of rumors going on as far as who the next coach is going to be. Nothing concrete come out. I would say that anything you hear right now is all fabricated or, or loose information that's not necessarily true or maybe has a hint of truth but isn't the exact thing. We won't really know until November, but Trev not only wanted to get Frost out of there, he wanted to get ahead. Now, there's also a chance, and this is the last thing I'll talk about, then you guys can ask whatever questions or say whatever you want about it, but there's also a chance that Mickey Joseph, who was named interim head coach, ends up keeping the job. There is that possibility. Mickey Joseph, quarterback Nebraska in the late 80s, early 90s, He's a great recruiter. Mickey Joseph is best known for being the wide receivers coach at LSU and being the key person and not only recruiting Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrence Marshall, but developing them while at LSU. So he has a reputation for not only being a player's coach, but being a very good recruiter. But Mickey Joseph probably – Nebraska's sitting at one and two right now. Mickey Joseph probably has to win at least six games. Uh, the rest of the way to get considered for it, uh, depending on who, depending on who's available. So we'll see how the coach head. Coach so you're kissing away a bowl game, pretty much this year. Not necessarily. If Mickey Joseph goes six and three, that puts Nebraska at seven and five. That's a bowl game. Even if he goes five and four, Nebraska's at six and six and in a bowl game. So we're just gonna have to see how things play out. I'm not. I'm not super optimistic. We'll just see how the team plays under Mickey Joseph for these last for these last nine games. So I mean, I would like to point out that uh, I would like to point out that everyone in college football makes it to a bowl game nowadays. Yeah, no, you, you got you got to have just, a, just like the a witness is yours. record. Now, uh, I mean, I, I think Scott Frost got a big head after his undefeated se- season with uh, UCF. And yeah. he thought he was untouchable, and I, I think he brought that mentality. Like, hey, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to win, and 
I'm going to take this program to where it's at. And then when he, when he struggled the first couple of years, I think he just said, fuck it. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to end up getting fired. And I think that kind of shared this last game. He heard all the rumors. When do we fire Scott Frost? When do we, when do we fire this guy? And I think he just gave up on the team. And that's what you've seen. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a sad state of affairs, but Frost is the worst, is, is the worst coach by record and winning percentage in the history of Nebraska football. He's 16 and 31, right? Yeah, and he's lost 23 of those 31 games by one score or less. Can you imagine if instead of being 4 and 23 in one score games, he was like, you know, 17 and 10 or something. Uh, you know, Frost wouldn't even be getting fired. He'd be turning out eight, nine win seasons every year. And, and you know, and people would say, oh, he's getting Nebraska back on track. Instead, we're known as the team that fucking can't close out on anybody. So, I don't know. We'll see. Another school that's got a lot of tradition and a lot of history is also struggling with their new coach. Notre Dame is now Owen. They played Ohio State very tough the first game, but then they turn around and lose to Marshall. And unfortunately for Notre Dame, it doesn't get much easier the rest of the way. Notre Dame's schedule this year, I, I, I'm looking at their schedule, I'm like, if you don't beat Marshall, you all of a sudden, you got a problem on your hands. you got to go to North Carolina. you got BYU. you got to face Clemson, Phil, and you still have to face USC. And there's no guarantee since you lose to Marshall that you'll beat teams like Stanford, Syracuse, or Navy either. So Notre Dame, I feel, is like staring at a possible 5-7 and seven season or maybe even a 6-6 six and six season, which I know that's not how Marcus Freeman wanted to start his tenure at Ohio – I'm sorry, not at Ohio State, at Notre Dame. Yeah, and then he also had his, his uh, quarterback go down as well, so – they they uh, they might be looking at a, a very bad season. Yeah, right. The potentially the potential is definitely there. I mean, but it yeah. yeah I mean, so it, the team it, that hurts it, the most is Ohio State. Then at that point, because then that's that's it not a good exactly win anymore. Because all of a sudden, Ohio State, who who's you know touted beating the number five team in the country, and when everybody thought Notre Dame would still finish as a top ten team, that looked like a very good win. Now, if they go four and eight or five and seven and finish outside the top twenty-five, it, that that loses a lot of luster for Ohio State, you know. So, and the fact that Ohio State struggled to beat them—it's not like they whooped them like thirty-eight to seven. That game was extremely close uh, until the very end. So, I, I feel like if Ohio State had walloped them, it wouldn't matter as much. But the fact that it was a twenty-one to ten game. The fact that Notre Dame was winning at halftime, ten to seven, and then uh, going into the fourth quarter, that was a fourteen, that was a fourteen to ten game. You know, that was uh, that was a struggle for Ohio State to pull that out. So I don't know. I, I know Ohio State's a very good team this year. I'm not worried about them, but uh, and that was the very first game of the season, so it has to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. But it, it you're right, and, it and their top hurt. two receivers are. And, and their top two receivers were out of that game, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 
the other the upset wagon continued as we saw Texas A and M lose to App State. We saw Florida lose to Kentucky. Baylor lost to BYU and Washington State beat Wisconsin. Of all of those games, boys, what do you what was which upset was the most surprising to you? I think the Washington definitely State not the Kentucky Florida. I I think okay. the Kentucky Florida that one was pretty much going to be a, a flip flop. I mean, Kentucky started the year off ranked, Florida unranked. They got they barely beat Utah, and you're going to throw them in the top top fifteen. Uh, so I don't see that one, but uh, the BYU uh, Baylor game, I think that one was kind of shocking, especially okay. after Baylor blew the shit out of them last year. <sighs> and then. Uh, Sam, you said why? Why is Washington State and Wisconsin shocking to you? I I feel like Wisconsin probably needed to win a lot more because yeah. of the type of opponents they play throughout the year. Okay. Um. So like I would have thought that that Wisconsin would have played with more urgency. To me, the most shocking was Texas A and M losing to Appalachian State. Appalachian oh, State. Oh yeah, definitely about that one. Appalachian State probably will win eight or nine games this year, but Texas A&M, a lot of people were touting them as a potential playoff team. Let me tell you now, with this loss to Appalachian State, what their schedule is, okay, guys? Because Texas A&M now is really going to have to pull off some wins and, and play really good football because there is no margin for error right now. This is Texas A&M's schedule now. Their next game is against Miami. They're then they're at home against Miami. They're at home against Arkansas, who's ranked in the top ten. Miami's number thirteen. Then they go to Mississippi State. Then they're at Alabama. Then they're at South Carolina. So they play three road games in a row: Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina. Then they're home for Ole Miss, Florida. Then they're at Auburn, and then they have UMass, and then they end the season against LSU. Their next, their, their next six games, they play four ranked teams. Yeah, they're fucked. I, I think they're going to drop I, out know, of the top 25. If Jimbo Fisher, let's say Texas A&M goes eight and four this year, is Jimbo Fisher's seat hot or warm? I think it, I think it was hot after that loss, Appalachian State. You've been there for four years, five years now. And you haven't done anything yet. They've touted you. They've given you the money. They've given you everything that you asked for. And you haven't got over the hump yet. So, absolutely. Nope. His, his uh, seat should be hot as hell. And let me just point this out. In two, when, when he had Florida State as a power, okay, in the ACC, Clemson was just becoming, starting to become Clemson. Deshaun Watson was a sophomore there the year that Florida State won the national title. So when Florida State was starting to be really good, Clemson wasn't that great. Um, and the, the best team in the other division was Duke, who was ranked number 23. So that tells you all about the state of the ACC at that time. Now he's in the SEC, 
And it's only going to get worse from here, Josh. They're going to add Oklahoma and Texas in a couple years. And that exactly. doesn't get easier. It doesn't get easier, basically. No. Nope. Yeah. It's not going to get any easier for him. It's it's going to be crazy. Um, I uh, I mean, if, and if we're going to talk know, about man. the Texas, Texas and Oklahoma, I mean that Texas Alabama game. Uh, oh, Bryce Young did not look good at all until the last quarter. Uh, right. I think I think the refs fucked Texas big time out of that game, uh, yeah. especially with that. Well, I mean, the targeting call that should have been technically a safety. Uh, and then towards the end of the game when uh, Texas came out on that blitz uh, and Bryce Young went out and ran for 20, 30 yards, you could clearly see the offensive lineman grab the, the defensive end's shirt and start pulling. That's called a hold. When you start seeing that jersey start to pull, when he's going after that quarterback, that's a hold. Yeah. So, I think the refs fucked him. I thought Texas' defense really played well, but I want to know if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, can Texas pull that upset off? I think they do. I think they win that game. So, so yeah, I mean, Josh they should have won that game. Yeah. Both, both avid, avid college football fans. If if uh, if the dice had rolled the other way for whatever reason, you could see Texas winning. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I mean Texas had the the lead up until what the last minute field goal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They they were in the lead. They were playing them tough. If honestly, if so, Ewers doesn't go out, because Ewers, I think, had at the, that point in the second quarter when he got hurt, I think he had like 140 yards passing. And if he doesn't go out, if he doesn't get hurt, I, I think Texas, because Texas couldn't really move the ball very well after he got hurt. Hudson Card was also banged up, who was their backup quarterback, and he just he wasn't he wasn't throwing the ball that well. Quinn Ewers, when he got hurt in the second quarter, was 9 of 12 for 134 yards. Hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, so um, you know, now with all the the transfer portal and everything else, before, you know, when you had your starting quarterback, before the transfer portal, you, if you had your starting quarterback go out, there's a good chance there might be someone young or someone older that was a high-star recruit that might be coming in that possibly could win that game. You don't see that. Do you see the portal changing that kind of – the backup quarterback being just as good as a starting quarterback type of scenario? I think it's changed because kids don't want to sit for two years and then go on and play, right? They want to have the opportunity to play. They're also There's also the fear of getting recruited over, right? So if you've got, so if you've got a four- or five-star recruit that doesn't win the starting quarterback position and he sits there for a year, maybe, do, then all of a sudden you got other guys that you recruit over him, and then that guy sits. So a perfect example of this is Joe Burrow at Ohio State, okay? Um, who was the quarterback, uh, Josh, that was the starting quarterback and then got hurt uh, before Cardell Jones took over the national title game? J.T. Barrett. So it was, it was, was, Braxton, it was Braxton Miller got hurt. Uh, and training camp. So that left it uh, J.T. Barrett. And then J.T. Barrett played pretty much all season until the Michigan game where he got hurt. And then Cardell Jones came in and won so the then, So then Barrett was the starter 
the next year with Cardell Jones, right, whatever, Joe Burrow got signed as a, as a recruit out of high school. And that was the first time Nebraska passed on him. That was still under Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini didn't offer him a scholarship for whatever godly, ungod, unknown reason. Anyways, Burrow was there. He sat behind JT Barrett. Burrow thought he would get the shot. And then Haskins, who came in after Burrow, usurped him as the starter at Ohio State. And that's when Burrow transferred out to LSU. Okay. So, and that's because that's Burrow got example. hurt. He broke, he broke his hand. That's the reason why okay. that it was the uh, one of the games to where Barrett got hurt again and Haskins came. I think it was the Michigan game again. Uh, Has- okay. Barrett got hurt and Haskins came in because Burrow was unavailable. He, Burrow okay. got hurt. So that put him oh. in the lead right away. Okay. So I, I guess that's that, to answer your question, Sam – I don't think a lot of these schools have the depth at quarterback that they used to have where you could be like, okay, I got a backup guy. The only really school that has depth at quarterback typically is Alabama. If you remember, Mac Jones sat behind Tua, and then he he got called upon when Tua got hurt for a few games, and Alabama did really well. Then Mac Jones took it over the very next season, and, and, and they won a lot. So – and yeah, it's tough nowadays. You know, Georgia had a lot of quarterbacks transfer out of their program. Ohio State lost, what, two in the offseason, Josh? They lost two guys uh, in the offseason. Yeah, Jack Miller and Quinn Ewers, yeah. Yeah, so that, that just makes, it makes life difficult to transfer portal. I don't think quarterbacks want to sit there and, and wait a year or two. So, so if you have your, your, your five-star recruit, number one quarterback, go out, you're saying the second man up is probably not as good. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Um, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. Um, I want to talk to you about UFC 279. We didn't get the chance to talk about that, obviously, because we didn't have a show Monday. So UFC 279, I think, had to scramble, uh, I think, Sam, right? Because uh, – Yeah. Because – yeah, he didn't make weight. He came in eight and a half pounds overweight. My buddy had tickets to the to the to the show, and he was freaking out. Like before, he's like, because when the when he wait when he came in overweight, he thought the whole event would be canceled. Really? Yeah, yeah. But they got Tony Ferguson, who who I think is like like supremely washed up at this point. Like at one point, he was really good. His ground game was good. His striking was good. But now. He's just terrible, bro. He's thirty. He's like Chuck Waddell at the end of his career, man. He's thirty-eight and he's coming. He's lost one, two, three, four, five fights in a row now. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna get any better for him because his chin is just gonna get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. He has not won a fight since two thousand and nineteen, June of twenty nineteen, when he beat Donald Cerrone. Yeah, and you know what? Even even the the Kevin Holland fight with with. Hamza, you know, like it, it, it doesn't make sense to even make that fight. Like the guy came in eight and a half pounds over. You stripped Charles Oliveira of his belt for coming in overweight. You know, uh, uh, not making weight for for his yeah. title fight. Granted, that was a title fight. Different story. But this guy is is in next in line for a title fight. So I would have I would have botched it and been like, let's get an, our replacement fighter in that same division that can make the weight and fight. Now is this guy 
Chimaev, is this the one that trains with uh, Khabib? No, no, no. He's also from Dagestan, but like uh, it's Islam Makayev is is uh, the guy that trains with with Khabib. Okay. Who's who's the one that 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 has a last name kind of similar to Khabib that he's been training that, with? That's is, Islam. Islam okay. Makayev, I think is okay. how you pronounce it. Um, you know what's funny is no fight of the night bonus was awarded, um, at all. So I, that tells me that there wasn't really any compelling fights on this card at all. It all I mean, yeah. It also means I don't think the pay-per-views really sold out like they should have. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I don't know what's coming up for UFC 280. Um, that that that'll be. What, what month is that coming up in? Is that is that for October? 280. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you're right. They gave performance of the night, but they didn't give any fight of the night. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's is, that's who we were just talking about, Islam Makhachev versus yeah. Charles Oliveira. So that should yep. be that should be a good fight. You also got Sean O'Malley on that card fighting Peter Yan. So there's some good. Yeah, Piotr is Piotr is a, a straight striker. I really want to see that fight. Like O'Malley hasn't yeah. seen a proper test yet, and Piotr is the test. Too, man. I, I'm a big fan of Sean O'Malley and his fighting style. So I don't like the arrogance that comes with it. That's that new school Conor McGregor arrogance that comes with it. I don't know. I think when you're getting punched in the face for a living, you got to be a little arrogant. I I guess, but you know what? You have a lot of humble winners, too. I mean, Khabib being being one of them, right? You know, he he doesn't give a shit about anybody, really. Can I tell you something there, Sam? I'm sorry? That arrogance, it sells fights. It moves the needle. Do you remember how good George St. Pierre was? Yeah, but he was boring as hell. He, was boring. Not he couldn't sell a fight. fight for his life. Yeah, not only did he did he fight boring in the ring, but he didn't fucking he didn't talk. The promos weren't that good. People tune in to Jorge Masvidal. People tune in to Conor McGregor. They buy John Jones fights. Yeah, because they talk shit and they're arrogant and cocky. Anderson Silva was a top seller in UFC because. Not only was he going to beat the shit out of you, but he was he was the best. He was going to let you know he was the best. And so when you're kind of vanilla, when you don't really talk a lot, you don't self-fight. Self it doesn't move the needle for people. And that's how you get guys that make all that money. The Conor McGregor's. Uh, the Nathan you're absolutely people. right. But just to, for, for the balance aspect of it, you also have on the other side, you have you know, people like, you know, the guys that do it right. You're, you're Daniel Cormier's, you're, uh, you know, uh, you know, Khabib, for instance, you know. And, but I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they boring. I'm just saying that, you know, that the arrogance that comes with it, if you, if you put that up against, like, uh, the, the top, you know, in his division, I don't know if he, he'll, you know, make it through. Who knows? But that's when that arrogance gets shut down, and you can't sell fights after that anymore. Really, that's true. But, that but what's true. the what's the purpose of of these fights is to sell the pay per view so you make more money. So the more pay per view buys, the more money you're going to make. So that's why it, it's right. great to have that arrogance built into some of these fighters because, it, like Louis said, it makes it makes you want to go watch that fight. Um, if if it's a boring fight, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rent the fight. You know, I'll wait until Sports Center shows me highlights at at twelve thirty or one o'clock. 
Well, not only that, but if nothing else, you turn you tune in just to pray to watch that guy get his ass uh, Exactly. That too. You know, I That's mean, why people bought but, Floyd Mayweather fight. Yeah. Hey, hell, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the girl's name is, but there was that UFC fighter. Her uh, just like a week ago, she uh, it was her debut fight. She gets out, starts twerking, and then gets choked out like a punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, I, I we'll see. Uh, UFC is starting to. I feel like it's. I feel like it's still popular, but I don't feel like it's as popular as it was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I kind of watched UFC grow into what it is today. So I used to watch it when you had to only order it to, to be able to watch it, you know. Yeah. Or you had to go and watch it. <clears throat> I've seen a couple now, of I remember, I remember having to get the videos from Blockbuster. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, I went I mean, to a couple I, UFC I, fights back in the day in Newark uh, at Prudential Center. Um, and, and I think that goes back to just starting what people out. want to see. Uh, not, UFC's not creating these big stars anymore. That's why people no, tune that's, in. And everyone people, wants to go chase the money. That's really what it is. They want to chase the, the, yeah. the Jake Paul fights, the, the uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather fights, you know, WWE. whatever. Le'Veon Bell just knocked out Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Yeah. For the love of God, you know? Yeah, the WWE's calling for some of these guys. You exactly. Got all things like UFC has – the best thing about UFC is also the worst thing about UFC, right? Everybody else talked about UFC compared to boxing, you get the fights you want to see because they're all under contract where boxing has different promoters and this boxer can't fight this boxer because they're on different promotions. Who's going to get the fight? Whatever. And there's only one title belt compared to, like, boxing has, like... Divisions, right? In, in the UFC. But at the same time, boxing pays their fighters more than what you have seen. If you're a top star in boxing, you're making $10, 14000000 million a fight. UFC fighters, I think, even at your peak, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey... Brock Lesnar were still only getting paid about a million dollars a fight. But they also had pay-per-view cuts, too. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of so, surprised. Some of these guys No, dude, they don't get pay-per-view cuts. No, no, they did. Uh, so I'll, I'll explain to you. Dana White actually only to the superstars gives these pay-per-view cuts, too. Um, you know, and that's why Conor McGregor can say that off of uh, the, the, the Jose Aldo fight, he made like $10 million. Okay. So uh, it's it's not it's not like so uh, you're absolutely right they they do need to pay the fighters more and I think that they do they need to kind of mesh uh, the different uh, you know groups like uh, Bellator does uh, you know MMA as well um, there's some overseas promotions if there's if they could find a way to mesh all that together that would make it really interesting so um, kind of jump back to Lou you talked about. Uh, Ronda Rousey making not much money and stuff. I mean, perfect example. So, uh, so Ronda Rousey in the six years that she fought um, earned a total of four point three million dollars total. However, in just the two years that she's been um, with uh, WWE, uh, she's made over five million. 
Yeah. I mean, it says it all right there. And, like, Tyron Woodley getting the amount of money he got for fighting Jake Paul was probably more than what he saw in his career. Yeah, in his whole career. So, all right, guys. That's all the time we got on our Wednesday show. It's been a good one. We will be back Friday with all new topics. We will be drawing our helmets again on Friday. Joe, if you fucking escape without a punishment again, I'm fucking saying this shit's rigged somehow, even though you're not sitting here and you're not the one drawing the helmets. You're the one fucking drawing the helmets. (laughs) You're doing some dull shit. You're doing something. Something's going on. He's cheating. He's cheating just like he cheated on trivia. Listen, the only voodoo I'm doing is as Lou is drawing helmets, I'm stabbing a Godzilla doll. <laughs> That's fucked up. All right. All right, guys. That's all the time we have. We will be back at it on Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you all later. Hey, happy birthday, you old fucker. Hey, this bud's for you. <laughs> we cover all bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch where it takes us Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our response is amazing All bases covered, yeah Yeah, you know you love it, our thoughts, they be off with a dome First to the second, the topics, they change like the weather Then you know we bringing it home We cover all bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch how we shine Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our responses be prime All bases covered, Woo! Yeah, you know you love it, no limits to where we can go. So do grab a seat. Oh no, this ain't MLB, but you know it's time for the show. All bases covered, my brothers. Yeah, you know you love it. We get it, yeah, we going in. Yeah, we be focused like this is the bottom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.